The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. He said to Jesus, teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, you lack one thing, go sell what you own and give the money to the poor you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the man heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words, but Jesus said to them again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, for humans it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields, but with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. The Gospel of the Lord. One might think that this rich young man, as he approached Jesus, thought that he had, uh, he had the perfect setup, that he was going to be maybe even praised by Jesus because he followed the law, he was very faithful, you know, did all the things to like care for his neighbor, and uh, to show respect and honor and, you know, all those things that he needed to do, loving his uh, mother and father, you know, not killing, not stealing, not bearing false witness. He's followed the commandments. He's got it all in play. And so now he comes to Jesus, you know, what else? What else do I need to do? I kind of imagine maybe somewhere in the back of his mind he was hoping Jesus would say, oh, you are doing wonderfully. You know, you're following all the commandments. You are ready for eternal life. You've done everything you need to do. But rather, Jesus points out where there's a real hole in this man's life, something that is missing. Because if you notice, when Jesus first speaks to him about the commandments, lists commandments, you have followed these things, right? The man says, yes. Well, he doesn't list all 10 commandments. He skips the first few. He doesn't say the very most important commandment, which says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and that uh, you shall have no other gods before him. 
He doesn't say that commandment. And the reason why is because this is not the commandment that this man has been following. He's had love of neighbor. He's got it down pat. He has served faithfully other people and followed the law in all other respects, but he is missing the love of God. That's what he's missing out on. And so Jesus, he points out, Jesus says this to him, okay, you follow these things from your youth. And then he looks at him and loves him, it says. So Jesus begins by loving this man and says, okay, you have one more thing to do. Sell all that you have and then come follow me. That's what this man is missing. And it's not that riches are a bad thing. It's not that simply having riches makes us terrible people or something like this. This man was very law-abiding, a good fellow, a good citizen by all standards. But he had allowed his riches, when we think of the first commandment saying that you shall have no idols above God, that God alone we should worship, it means that his possessions had become an idol. His possessions had become something that had possessed him. And so he did not have that love of God. So to the remedy, Jesus is saying, if you're willing to give up all of these things and follow me, then you will have eternal life. Because to possess God, to have God in our lives, means we possess eternal life. Because God is eternal life. That is the greatest commandment that we need to abide by, that we need to listen to. And I think it's something that in our culture, we're very, we've gotten very good at secular or religious. Many people have a good civil sense of caring for one another, of, you know, following the law, being good citizens, that kind of thing. Uh, uh, there is a general overall sense of that. But what is missing is a love of God, which is the foundation of everything else. It can't be done without. I remember in university, a friend of mine was there who, uh, we, we were all, I was, I was studying computer programming, which is a whole other story, but uh, while I was in my studies, there was a whole bunch of other comp sci guys who lived in the same area as me, and uh, as I was considering the priesthood, I got to a point where I said, I think I'm going to finish out this term, and then I'm going to pursue the priesthood. I'm going to leave. And so they naturally had a lot of questions for me and were kind of curious and wondering, you know, why is this guy who was a computer programmer suddenly wanting to become a priest? You know, what's the deal with that? So one of these friends of mine, he, uh, he, every now and then, he'd just kind of come to me with a little question and you could see the co his conscience was kind of troubling him in his heart. And so he would every now and then ask a certain little moral questions and try to understand. And one day he came up to me and he said, so... Do I need to, like, do you think that I, I wouldn't be able to go to heaven unless I, you know, do grace before meals or say a little prayer before bed or something like that? Like, are, are those things that I have to do or otherwise, like, I'm going to hell? And I said, well, I mean, obviously, you know, this, this guy was, didn't really have much experience of faith. Uh, and so I tried to reach out to him and I said, you know, rather than worrying about, like, a specific prayer at a certain time, saying grace, saying things like that, I mean, those are part of the larger picture, but more than anything is we need to pray. 
We need to actually have an encounter with God. So I, I said to him, here's what I would suggest that you do. Just try praying. Just give it a shot. You know, go somewhere silent that you can be by yourself and, and come and ask God, you know, show me, reveal yourself to me. Help me to know that you really are real. You know, find, find answers for yourself. Talk to him. Express to him what's on your heart, what you're worried about. Tell him about these things that you're worried about. Just have a little, try having a little conversation. See how it goes. And then tell me, you know, and we can talk about it. We can go from there. So that was my encouragement to him. And then he kind of went, well, I don't know. I mean, things are going pretty good for me in my life right now. I don't think I really need God at this time in my life. And then that was kind of the end of it, which made me incredibly sad because, you know, he had this perspective of just, if I do certain things, then, you know, would that kind of make me ready to be able to be received into heaven? But the moment it came to actually encountering God and looking for him and coming to have a relationship with him, I don't know. I mean, things are pretty good. I don't have a lot of worries and cares, so why not just leave it as it is? And that's unfortunately the way that many people in the world look at God, is that only when we're in distress, only when things are difficult, that we say, like, I need help. But not seeing that we need God at every moment of our lives, no matter how good or bad it is. Because our relationship with God is not measured by our health, our wealth, our family, you know, all the good things that are happening around us. That's not the measure of knowing whether God loves you or not. Because otherwise, you would say, what about the poor? What about the suffering? Does God not love them? You know, does he not care about them? Of course he does. But we have in our minds sometimes this idea that if we have blessings in our lives, if good things are happening to us, then it means we're on the right track, as opposed to measuring ourselves by our relationship with God. Do we know Him? Do we love Him? Are we seeking Him? Do we, do we you know, are we experiencing Him in our daily lives, and are we giving ourselves to Him? That's the real measure of a good life. Because we can be in the worst kind of suffering, the most terrible circumstances, and God could be blessing us interiorly abundantly, giving us the strength that we need. And, and that doesn't mean that if we don't have good things happening exteriorly, that means that God doesn't love us. Which, unfortunately, is another thing that happens sometimes. You know, when bad things happen, we say, well, God, you know, don't you care about me? You know, I slipped on the road today and I tripped and I fell. Come on. <laughs> you know, like, that has nothing to do with God. God is there through good and bad. In all circumstances, in all categories of people's lives. And it's not just, you know, coming back to the reading here, this man's riches, it's not just that being very rich can make us complacent. It can be any circumstances of life. Because you look at my friend who was not rich, 
He, had, he was probably on student loans like the rest of us to go to university. Um, you know, he was maybe better off than some people, but he had his basic needs met. You know, he felt comfortable in life. And that alone was enough to make him feel God is not necessary. I don't need him because I'm doing okay. And so that's what we need to guard against. Guard against that sense of if we feel everything is going all right, that I don't need to do anything more. We should always have on our heart, how can I love God more? How can I know him more? How can I seek him more? Is my, am I interiorly fulfilled in that seeking and receiving and loving of God? Is he the first priority of my life? If that is the case, then we are on a good track. But if God is secondary and we're worried mostly about the things of this world, we've become too complacent. And so we need to ask the Lord to help us to dig us out of that place. That's why Jesus gives this remedy here. You know, he says to the man to give up his possessions. You know, maybe for some of us it might be, maybe we should give more to the poor. You know, that's a great way because not only do other people benefit, but we also benefit because it helps us to recognize our dependence upon God always, good or bad, no matter the situation. And we might think as well, you know, Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Well, then, you know, <laughs> the disciples say, well, then we're all doomed, you know? How is it possible? But with God, all things are possible. That is why are we seeking God first? If we are continually in communication with God, which is what prayer is, it's conversation with the Lord, and we are listening to him, and we are seeking him, and you know, if the Lord tells us that we need to make changes in our life, that we say, okay, let's begin down that track. If we're listening to and responding to God, then we should be good because it means that God is working in us, our, our lives. Then through God, all things are possible. But if we've cut him out right at the gate and aren't even conversing with him, what do we expect, right? Then we're going it alone. Then our riches are going to be our downfall. The uh, first reading, I think, says it quite beautifully. The first reading today was from the Book of Wisdom, which speaks of this love of wisdom and it's supposed to be said in the voice of Solomon. So King Solomon is saying, he's seeking out wisdom and saying, you know, wisdom is something far beyond any other riches. All other things are like refuse in comparison to wisdom. And so he, he talks in, in the book of wisdom about getting up early in the morning so that he can seek wisdom, he can look for wisdom, that that be his greatest desire. Now, how many of us get up early in the morning saying, I look, I'm looking for wisdom? You know, maybe first thing in the morning we're like, I'm looking for coffee, you know, or, or, or something else, you know? So there, there's, there should be a desire in us for true wisdom because true wisdom is knowing God. Wisdom is found in God. You know, you could even say that Jesus Christ is wisdom incarnate. 
So to seek wisdom is to seek God. To seek wisdom is to understand and know God's plan. You know, that's what's different from understanding. You know, if people talk about the difference between knowledge and understanding and wisdom. You knowledge and understanding, we learn how things work in the world. Wisdom pierces into the mysteries of God. Wisdom teaches us about the scriptures. Wisdom teaches us about the will and the plan of God, of what he is speaking and what he is doing. That's wisdom. And so are our hearts seeking and yearning for wisdom, seeking and yearning for God? Or are we saying, things are not so bad. I'm doing pretty good. I don't really think I need more God in my life right now. Because of all things, above all things, we should be desiring the Lord, desiring wisdom. There our hearts will be filled and we'll look upon everything else as, eh, it's just stuff. When things go wrong in life, we go, well, praise the Lord. He loves me anyway. No matter what else is happening around me, if I can be with the Lord, then I know that I have real riches, true riches, that my riches are found in eternity. My riches are found in the Lord. And that's the answer to this young man's question of how it is that I can fully have eternal life.